Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. I'm your host, Adam Homey, and I want to welcome you and let you know a little bit about what we do here at Business Creators Radio Show. As the name suggests, our listeners are business creators. They fall into four categories. You have your first category, which are entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. Second category, marketing and business coaches. The third category are folks who help others build their businesses. That's, these are what I call the business creators. And then the fourth category are the do-it-yourselfers who run your own businesses and just love to have your hands on the levers and manage your own marketing. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment and explore our episodes and discover how our experts can help you win in business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow. Also, be sure to check out our podcast. Just go to iTunes and search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us get the message out. For today's episode, I am very excited to have with us Beverly Bergman, the queen of copywriting. Today, we're going to talk about how to significantly boost your marketing conversion rates. Have you ever wondered why your marketing copy isn't making you more money? See, the thing is, effective copy can easily convert more prospects into buyers and become your most powerful sales force. You'll spend less time on your business and more time in it. And Beverly is going to share how to significantly boost your marketing conversion rates by turning your copy into gold. Now, for those of you who may not have heard of Beverly Bergman, let me just tell you a little bit about her. She's a speaker, teacher, copywriter, and consultant who turns marketing content into gold for her clients. She loves to empower entrepreneurs by helping them to get their marketing messages across with greater impact so they can change more lives, make more money, and have more fun doing it. I definitely endorse that message. She's an award-winning 24-year veteran in the marketing industry and is currently teaching copywriting and marketing courses. Beverly is the past president of the San Diego Professional Coaches Alliance, a featured author in The Power of Leadership and Business Networking, and the author of the ebook. Squeeze page juice, how to create high converting lead generation opt-in pages. And I'm all about squeezing more juice out of those squeeze pages. How are you doing today, Beverly? I'm great. How are you, Adam? I couldn't be better if you paid me a million bucks. I shouldn't discourage you from trying, however. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> all right. So I read off your official bio, but what I'd like to do is before we dive into today's topic, and I know we have a lot to cover here, let's take a step back and give our listeners a chance to get to know you a bit. Just tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today, working with business creators to create marketing copy that converts. Okay, thank you. Um, I believe I was born to do this. I started a neighborhood newspaper when I was 11 years old. I was right. on the yearbook staff in high school. I was going to be a journalist, and then I decided that I liked the um, hands-on program at Ohio University for radio and television communications. So okay. um, I went there, and I started doing that, and I uh, I started getting really interested in what makes people tick, what made people make buying decisions in um, really studying some of the top advertising at the time. And uh, so I chose psychology as a minor because I was was really, really interested in that. And mm-hmm. um, I remain interested in that. I'm one of those lucky people that has been able to work in marketing arena my whole life. I've um, started out in uh, radio, um, writing commercials, writing promotions, writing programs, Produce and then went on to produce all of those things, 
and um, then went into corporate America, and I spent about 20 years being a product manager or project manager for different um, corporations from $25 million to $25 billion in assets, and learned a lot there. And um, I got kicked out a few times because the company went bankrupt or they downsized <laughs> or one time the owner's daughter decided that she wanted my job <laughs> when she graduated <laughs> from college. I mean, you know, it was just kind of crazy. And so um, after being at one firm for 10 years, I said, you know what, this is enough. I want to be in control of my own destiny. And I come from an entrepreneurial family, and so I said, I'm just going to, you know, I love writing copy. That's what I'm really good at, and that's what I'm going to do. And so um, I sought out the services of a coach, and then I started learning all about what coaches do, and I absolutely love their business model and the way they help people. I've always been a self-help junkie and an info junkie, so... uh, I just really gravitated to them, and then it seemed like every other person I met was a coach. And what I found in doing that was that most of them were struggling to get their marketing messages out in a clear and compelling way. And so I thought, you know what, I don't want to be a coach. I want to help these coaches to get their marketing messages out so that they can work their magic and they can help more people. And that's what I do. Outstanding. Here On the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. Now, a lot of our listeners tell me when I speak with them that they have everything that they need to succeed at business and marketing except for time and money. Do you see this as an issue for those who want to write effective marketing copy that converts? I can understand why it's an issue. And, you know, we do what we love. And so if you don't love that, you shouldn't be doing it. Really, right. um, focus. You need. We all need to focus on what we do best. For example, that's why I decide to be a copywriter, not a coach, because copywriting right. is what I do best. So, um, it, instead of swimming upstream, um, I just recommend that you, you know, if it's not your thing, make enough money to to be able to pay somebody to do it. But if you want to do it, if you you know, if you have if you're able to write um other things fairly well and you don't mind writing it's not a not really a a big chore for you you can get better at it you can learn um i have a copywriting course out there that um of course i think is very effective but my the real thing about saving time and money when it comes to copy and this is the problem that a lot of people have a lot of people hide by constantly tweaking their copy and they don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> so right. I say do it, do it once, but do it right the first time. And if you do that, then you have your copy working for you, which is what this whole program is about, right? Um, you have your copy working for you as a silent sales force 24-7, 365 days a year. So it pays right. for itself. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize. They look at it as an expense, but usually if mm-hmm. you, you know, within 30 days you you can pay for it. By, right. As a result, so. Right. I agree entirely because I find that many of my clients 
you know, will write their own copy or draft their own copy. And in many cases, they do a pretty good job, but then they turn it over to me, and I can easily find certain issues with a copy. And I also notice, and tell me if you've ever seen this before, that it seems like the same people will make the same mistakes over and over in their copy again because it's just how they were somehow trained or somehow they were educated or oriented to write copy or to write things. And where I am with them at this point is I just kind of let them be creative when they do it because I already know the mistakes they're going to make, and they just count on me to polish that up for them so they don't have to worry about it. They can be creative on their own terms. Do you find that to be something you encounter in your own business with your own clients? Um, I do, which is why my sweet spot is really tweaking copy to convert. So I right. write, I do write the copy from the beginning, but honestly, it's more cost-effective for your listeners if they're at all inclined to write. Okay, there are some people that just right. should not be writing. If you're True. in that category, you have to down. learn how to make enough money to pay somebody else. But if you right. if you aren't too aren't bad, it doesn't mean that you know exactly what you're doing when it comes to marketing. So you have to have a pro like you or me tweak it and. One reason for that, it doesn't mean you're a bad writer, but we're all just too close to our own business to see ourselves the way other people see us. We don't, we're not, you know, some, some, I hear a lot of people, especially coaches, feel like they're bragging if they, you know, <laughs> it's not bragging if it's the truth. If, that, that's what I say, you know. Right. So sometimes you just need to, um, Sometimes it just needs some tweaks, and but those tweaks can, you know, br- bring in thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, right, stop struggling. I get it. I get it. Sometimes it's the small changes that make the big differences as well. So let's start with a basic question. What are some of the biggest problems you see with website marketing copy many people have on their websites, you know, other than that it doesn't convert like it should? Um, one of the one of the big ones is that I see a lot of people using industry lingo for their right. keywords, and people don't understand it. And th- those aren't the words that people are actually typing in. So a perfect right. example in my world is I talk about squeeze pages, and in fact, my book is named Squeeze Page Juice. But then the subtitle is more, explains it more, how to create uh, high-converting lead generation opt-in pages. And that's because all, the page is called all of those different things. That's why I named it that way. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, people, you know, if I use the term squeeze page, probably 98% of the people I talk to don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Correct. So don't, don't, use, the, don't use the term like don't use industry language. Um, lingo like that, you need to use the language that your target market uses. Okay. Um, so that's a, that's a big problem as far as keywords go. Another problem that I see um, happening quite a bit today is that people somehow have this idea that if they don't know how to write copy, they can just find copy they like on by you know happening upon it or in an email that they received from somebody or searching and then copy it and just change a few words to their product. And that doesn't work in in my opinion. I mean, I guess it's better than doing nothing because especially if it's somebody that keeps 
and here's something interesting. If somebody keeps doing something over and over again and they're successful at it, they're doing it because they're successful at it. So um, if you if you do that, you run the risk of looking just like that person, and you're not that person. So you need to be able to differentiate yourself in your copy. And so that's the danger of copying somebody else's is that you sound just like everybody else. And right. and you need you know the most important thing is to stand out and be known for something. So I think those are those are two of the biggest problems that I see. Right on the second point, I've said many times that worship of your internet marketing heroes praise of a false god because just because it may work for their audience and it may work in their niche doesn't mean it'll work with yours. When somebody comes to me and says, well, I have a coach and, and he or she said that I can just copy their stuff and put my name on it. I say, that's absolutely great. Uh, back years ago, back before 2010, when I used to own a web development company, we would occasionally get referrals from coaches who would send their clients over and a client would say, well, my coach has this, my coach has this, my coach has this, my coach has this. And when we tried to, point out some of the obvious glaring problems or at very minimum get them to think about what's really going to convert in their world for their audience they would say something like well my coach is successful I want to be successful and I mean my thought would be okay so your coach probably also has a web designer too why don't you work with them and since they already have your clients templates they can just put your name on it some people thought I was being sarcastic, but uh, really that's about the value you get when you copy somebody else's. I'm a junkie for swipe files. I have a huge bookmark file of things that I like. I ha I mm -hmm. buy collections of email swipe files. I have probably about 10,000 emails that other marketers have written just sitting on my hard drive. Whenever I need inspiration, I go through those, but I never just take one and copy it. I may take some of the best elements of two or three of them and then add my own touch to it when I write something. So, yeah. Re, you know, research and uh, development or rip and distribute, but at the same time, don't just blindly copy somebody else. That's a big mistake that I see people make. You're absolutely right. Now, in today's smartphone world, and I mean, I use my Android for a lot of what I do in business from day to day. The thing is so powerful. I'm noticing a trend towards more concise copy. Now, am I right? And if so, would you consider this to be good news? Uh... I think you are right, and I think it's good news. I think that, uh, especially these days when people have so many options, so many distractions, when they're looking at it on their cell phone, they don't have the, the time or the patience to read long copy. So right. for an entry point, when you're first trying to engage them, I think shorter is better and and converts better, but that doesn't mean, and this is the problem, is people generalize that to everything. And it really depends, um, um, I think, a lot on, on several things. No one size fits all, okay? So that's something that right. people try to make shortcuts like we were just talking about, about, you know, ripping and distributing. Um, <clears throat> it depends, I think, if they already know, like, and trust you, right? I think then you can get away with shorter copy because you don't have to right. explain so much. You just get to the, you know, cut to the chase. Um, <clears throat> it depends, I think, on the product. Right. I think it depends on the industry, and it right. depends on your target market because 
women, (laughs) I don't want to be sexist here, but many people believe that women talk more. Well, women also want to read more than men do. So it depends on your target market. And it it depends on the product a lot, too. If you're an engineer, you're probably not going to have a lot of, whether you're a man or a woman, you're probably not going to have a lot of patience for reading. Right. The target market that I've been working with, coaches, there are really, they're all about that. I mean, they may be busy, but honestly, they want, you know, they want more explanation. So you really have to know your target market, and it doesn't hurt to test things. So good news. You just I, taught I me something. Good news. I'm sorry? Yeah. You just made me think of something. Uh, now, most of my listeners know that whenever I'm hosting the episodes of the Business Creators Radio Show, not only am I a host, but I'm usually a student right along with them, taking notes and thinking about things myself. And you just said something very brilliant that just was like an aha moment that goes on. I mean, I do my Tuesday technology tips, which are videos that I put on my blog that show you how to do something. Do you spend less time editing and maintaining your website, more time educating and monetizing? And I tie that to the whole principle of website conversions and marketing. And some of my most avid fans of the tech tips happen to be coaches. And when you said that, that they like to have things explained to them in greater detail, that they like to get a greater understanding of things, that probably explains why my audience for the tech tips seem to be so heavily skewed towards coaches because they're not the type of, well, I'm going to hire somebody to do that. Even if they do hire somebody to do that, they still want to know it. Okay, so I think you kind of know the next question I'm going to ask. And this is the question that I get into all the time with people, and I really want to hear your thoughts on this. What converts better, long sales copy or short sales copy? Long sales copy is right. Proven. Tell me why. It's proven. Okay, that's why. Okay. Keep, that's I alluded to it before. That's one reason why people people keep doing it. So an example that I give that I think really makes it very clear is if you're going to buy a lamp, there's only a few things that matter. You want it to fit the decor of the room that it's going to go in. You want right. it to give the kind of light that you need for that room, that the reason that you are buying a lamp in the first place. Sure. And you want it to be within your price range. That's okay. it. That's all you need to know. If you're buying a BMW, you want to know uh, there's a lot more variables. You're going to want to know a lot more information. There's the exterior paint. There's the... There's the interior um, color. There's the alloy wheels. There's the all the bells and whistles. Okay, the, and you know, whatever right. all the variables are that you can get. So when if you're going to spend $150 or $200 on a lamp, okay, so what? If you're going to spend $65,000, $40,000, whatever on a BMW, you're going to want to know a lot more information. So I think it's definitely relative to how much money you're asking the people to spend as well as the other factors that we've mentioned before. 
Yeah, I think that's very important just to tie some of this together. Uh, the larger the investment or the greater the commitment the investment requires, the more copy you're typically going to need because you have a larger hurdle to clear. But if, I mean, if I'm selling something like a $7 ebook, I can probably get that done in two paragraphs, uh, maybe even a bullet point list because for $7, I just want to know how I'm going to be $7 healthier and wealthier and wiser is basically what I'm looking for. But if I'm trying to move people into my $2,000 seminar, then yeah, I think I have a lot of questions I have to answer. Would that be a fair statement? Yes, there's a lot more uh, what we call it is questions to answer, what we call it is objections to overcome. You want to think of every possible, in a, in a long sales page, the reason they're so long is because you want to think of every possible objection a person could come up with. And the reason for doing that is you never know which one is going to strike a chord with a person. So right. you've got to hit you've got to hit all of them. And that that's why they're right. long. You know, that's that's the reason. Sure. So. so how do you answer people who go on Facebook and say, "Oh, I hate those long sales letters. Why can't you just tell me how much it costs?" <laughs> I hear I hear that all the time, and I sometimes get into those because you and I see very similar in terms of the whole long copy, short copy debate. The answer is it depends, but generally speaking, various things taken into consideration, the long copy does ten, tend to convert better. But sometimes I'll wait into these discussions, and they really do want to find out, does long copy or short copy convert better. And sometimes I walk in and basically they were just hoping for uh, for a, a bitch fest basically where they all complained about their hatred of long sales copy and I try and come in with logic and I find myself on the short end of it. So uh, so how do you respond to somebody who comes across that approach like, I hate those long sales letters. Just tell me how much. Hmm. Well, I have a um, checklist that I give away to people. It's called 25 Ways to Leverage Those Long Sales Pages You Love to Hate. So All right. uh, um, what I say is basically what I've said before, it really depends on a lot of factors. It depends on your target market. It depends on um, whether they're men or women. It depends on the industry that you're in. Engineers aren't going to have as much patience as coaches are. So it depends. And um, there's an old saying in the advertising industry that I think sums it up pretty well. It's okay. the it's the response for the response to this question of how long should a co- should copy be. It's like the length of a woman's skirt. It should be long enough to cover the important stuff, but short enough to still be interesting. I like that. No, no, you know what? I don't like that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's great. That's great. Now, all this stuff you've shared on the long copy, short copy sales debate is very interesting. Now, I've been on a somewhat related topic. I've been arguing for a while now, and this is backed by some results I'm seeing, that shorter emails convert better. But yet I see many marketers, including some of my clients, continuing to send out those extra long emails to promote their products and services and events and claiming the event that the emails are successful. What's your take on length of emails? Well, my take is that they're misusing the purpose of email when they're really, really long. I mean, I don't know what you define as really long. I tend to write long copy but myself, okay. but um, so I have to work at making it shorter. Um, but I think it depends um, 
you know, people are misusing it because they're using a, an email as a sales page. An email is okay. supposed to be a quick introduction, a quick way to engage, an easy engagement for the reader to then click through to take further action. So you don't spill all the beans on the email. You don't sell from an email. You get people to take the next action from an email. That's the purpose of an of an email or to inform about right. something. But even if you're informing if you're informing about an event, you don't put all the details of the event on the email. You, right. You they're being lazy. They need to do a sales page too. That's that's my take. Um on on that in you know, as far as the length of the length of the emails. Now there's there are a lot of things that are differentiators that can make your email stand out. Um one of them that I strongly believe in is branding the email. So it drives me crazy. Um well this is more so in autoresponders than in um initial emails, but it drives me crazy when I just see like on an autoresponder, two sentences of black type on a white piece of paper that says, "Thank you for jo- for joining our mailing list. Click your inbox now. You know, go check your inbox now." It, the reason it drives me crazy is because you have someone that has raised their hand and said, "I'm interested. I want to know. I want more information," and you're you run the risk of them never opening that email. In the autoresponder, you have a perfect opportunity to engage them, connect with them, um, get them excited about about what's to come. And so part of that starts with the branding. So I always have a header at the beginning of my of my pages for you know my the header that goes on my website or you could have a special one yeah. for emails or autoresponders, but something that identifies you. Um, identifies your business. And then um, the other thing with, uh, you know, I talk a lot about keywords, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit more here, but part of the reason for using the right keywords is that people, those are the ones that engage people. When you can mirror what people are thinking and typing in, then they feel like you get them, and that is huge for conversion. That's, it's huge. Right. I can't. Um, I can't emphasize that enough, really. So, um, and then the other thing that I see is people jump right right into the solution, and this is true in email. It's true in sales pages. So, <clears throat> first you have to make people aware of what the problem is that you're that you're going to solve for them. No matter, it doesn't matter right. if they've been reading your stuff before, if they know you. Every piece of copy has to start with a problem, and that, that's another thing that I see people making a big mistake on. I probably should have mentioned it before, but it didn't occur to me. Is that people jump right into the solution? Buy this. Sure. Here's, you know, they have like one sentence, and then they're jumping to the solution already. Well, like I said, right. if people already know all about you, they know, like, and trust you, maybe you can get away with that. But if they don't, you've got to explain the problem first. You've got to make them see why it's a problem and why they need the solution. Right. I agree I agree with that a lot. Now, just as a quick follow-up question here, uh, you know, what I see sometimes is 
folks will use their emails like the sales letter. And I've seen the mm -hmm. approach happen where they'll literally take their entire sales letter and they'll copy it into an email. Now, sometimes they'll at least be smart enough that if they've already put the whole email, the whole sales letter in the email to link directly to their, their shopping cart. But sometimes I see them write these long things that effectively are the sales letter and then you have to go back and you have to see the sales letter again. So it's like an extra step. I mean, I mean, personally, and tell me if I'm on the right track or if I'm all wet, if I was going to send people to a long sales letter, I don't want them to spend too much time in the email. I want to use that email and every word in that email has to be crafted towards getting them to click the link to go to my sales letter. I want them hanging around in the email. I want them going to my, to my website and checking out my sales letter and seeing what I have to say there. Am I on the right page? Absolutely, because that's where they're going to buy from. <laughs> they're not right. supposed to be buying from the email. You don't want them hanging around in your email that long. And uh, right. it's interesting. You said every word in the email has to be crafted in such a way to get them to take the action you want them to take. Well, that's the case in everything I write. It's called <laughs> direct response copy. And right. let me say this for your listeners. It absolutely sends me off the deep end when people say, well, why does it cost so much money when it's only 50 words? Here's why. Because it's a, they've got to be the right 50 words. You've right. got, you know, it, it, when I write a sales page, I can go on and on and on, and, you know, eventually I'm going to hit all the right words. But when I've only got a limited amount of space, I've got to make sure that every single word in there counts. Every word has to earn its place in that copy. And let me tell you, it takes a whole lot longer to make sure that you're really doing that effectively. So, um, But as far as emails go, you know, I think the thing for the takeaway for people is an email is not a sales letter. Okay. It's not. Yeah, I yeah, I view it as a step rather than the goal. So, Beverly, what are a few suggestions overall do you have to improve the effectiveness of emails? And, I mean, here's what I want to get into. A little bit about your thoughts on subject lines, um, anything you can do about positioning the copy within the email itself, and where in the email and how to position the call to action so that you boost your click-throughs. Because we're always talking about open rates and click-throughs. How do we get more of both? Well, you don't position the call to action right up front, like I said. You need okay. to develop the problem before you give the solution. And in a long sales page, it's problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution, because you give one problem and then you give the solution to that, but then that usually begs the question of another problem that you bring up and then you give the answer to that. So, you know, an right. example in copywriting might be, well, do you hate to write, you know, you're, are you struggling to write your own copy? Do you hate writing your own copy? That's the problem. Well, the solution might be um, hiring someone to do it for you, but then that brings up okay. another problem, which is you don't have the money to hire pe someone to do it for you, or you don't trust that someone else can do it for you as well as you can do it, which is and a whole other story, but it brings up another problem. So you, so <clears throat> problem solution, problem solution, problem solution is is how you get uh, people engaged. It's also the branding. Um, <clears throat> you want to position the copy so that you're selling the sizzle and not right. the steak. 
And that means selling the benefits and not the features. So benefits sell and features tell. So the difference between benefits and features, and I imagine that um, you've talked about this before, but for the benefit of people that are um, have not heard it before, uh, benefits are what you get, what a person gets out of it. So, for example, a coaching program, the benefit is that you um, have more confidence, that you learn how to um, close sales, that you learn how to create a marketing funnel, something like that, depending on what kind of a coach it is. Um, the features would be how the program is structured, like you know, four coaching sessions over a period of eight weeks by phone and one hot seat or something like that. Those you don't you don't get to the features until you've already sold the benefits. Right. So um, and that speaks to what I said about problem solution problem solution. So the the benefits are aligned to the um, solution and the and then the features should follow. So I don't know if that really answered your question. That does to a bit. But, uh, let me let me ask a couple of specific questions, and maybe that'll help. Uh, because this is something I know a lot of my listeners ask about, and this is something that with my own clients, when I, yeah, because I do a lot of email copywriting, uh, this becomes the big thing. Is in many cases they may draft their emails, they may write these subject lines, and I'll say, no, no, and then I come up with this sub- subject line, and they say that is the dumbest subject line I've ever seen. Where would you get the idea to have something sent out like that? And then I'll tell you, look at your open rates, look at your click through rates. Mm-hmm. Say, oh. Oh, okay. So as far as subject lines uh, for emails, what would you recommend or some best practices or maybe even tell me a couple war stories, if you have any, about subject lines that have really worked well to boost open rates? Well, the highest open rate I've ever gotten for one of mine was when I did one of those like you're talking about where people say, why would you write that? So my target market is coaching professionals in all areas, life coaches, business coaches, relationship coaches, whatever. And my email subject line, the highest open rate I've ever gotten, um, was no one buys coaching. Right. So obviously a little controversial. So it it yes. actually goes back to what I was talking about, about selling the sizzle, not the steak, the benefits and the features. Because no one, w- what I meant by that and what I went on to explain inside is no one cares about how they get the solution. They just want the solution. So the solution, in a if you're a relationship coach, the solution is, they want to be in a um, long-term committed relationship or maybe they want to be married. So um, you don't – sorry, my cell phone just went off, (laughs) distracted (laughs) me. Um, I forgot to turn that off. I'm sorry. So um, in a a relationship coaching situation, that's what they want. They they don't care about the program, and that was the point of doing a – a controversial subject line like that. Other subject lines that I like a lot are asking questions. Um, it's proven that anything that has um, a number a number in it, like five easy steps to whatever, um, is 
uh, gets a higher open rate, um, how, saying how to craft your subject lines is actually would actually get a good open rate. It's not controversial. It's not exciting. It's not new, but it works. So right. I think I think, um, and this is the other part. You know, that's why I enjoy doing what I'm doing, and other people probably aren't meant to do it. Is if every subject line of yours sounds the same, and if it sounds like all the other subject lines in your mailbox, then probably not such a good thing. So you need to you need to try to differentiate, and um, I you know I I think that er, what what makes people tick is really universal. So think about what makes you tick. What would make you open it if it wasn't yours? Right. Ignoring it in your in your mailbox. So I, it's it's really a blend of things. But some of those some of the things I like is something provocative like that, where it's you know asking like like I said, nobody buys coaching, or um, asking a question. Uh, it really it really depends, and it pays to test those things as well. Yeah, I'm always spending time on subject lines, and I find even we talk beyond email, you know, marketing emails, just emails from people I know. Like one of my clients back in the day, this is a previous client of mine, uh, still a good friend of mine, uh, they would send emails, and almost every subject line would be websites and updates. It would be one of those two words. And uh, and finally, I would say, you know, could you do me the small favor of being a little more specific in your subject line? Because then you ask me to go look for things, and how many emails do I have to go through with a subject line website? Like, specify what it is that you're looking for and that would help and that could be a lesson for our listeners as well is if you want somebody to open the email you have to speak to their interest uh, as you said you have to speak to what makes them tick uh, so if this comes across in their overloaded email inbox I mean goodness gracious here Beverly I'm just I have my gmail open on my on my computer here and in the past uh, 37 minutes that we've been on Business Creators Radio Show, I've gotten 36 emails. Hmm. You, you, you know, you know what's going to happen to most of those emails after we hang up? Uh, uh, by subject line alone, I'm going to delete about 25 of them. Uh, a few yeah. of them will probably get clicked open, and some will just end up being some of those that never get open, and eventually I'll do a purge. So out of those 36 emails, probably two or three are actually going to capture my attention. Uh, there's this one from my client uh, who I'm meeting with this afternoon, that one's going to get a priority open. Uh, there's one from somebody whose list I'm on who I follow very closely, that one's going to get an open. And then there's this other thing here, I don't even really know who this person is, but the subject line looks interesting, that one's going to get an open. The rest of them, eh. So you have to think so, about what you, you were dealing with. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of things that um, might that do help that I we didn't mention, and one is personalizing it so it has your name in it. Right. Um, and even if the rest of it is boring, just the fact that you see your name there makes you more inclined to open it. Um, it's just a, psych, a psychological thing. We're just when it's personal. For I guess maybe we tend to think that they actually know us because they used our name, which you know is not necessarily right. the case. Um, but it does. It is proven if you use the person's name in the subject line, the open rate will be higher. Um, and um, so that's another trick. And then, and 
<clears throat> Another thing is who is you, that you alluded to is who is it coming from? My um, my address where it's coming from is um, copywriting for coaches, which is my brand name. It's what I'm known for. That's how people know me. Sure. If I were to have so the parent the parent my my business license is under BB Marketing Solutions. That's just right. my business license name that I applied for when I first opened a business. It's not what people know me about. So I'm not going right. to I don't want that to be in the from column because nobody knows who the heck that is. Right. So that helps uh, that's, the open that's, rates that's a good too. point. That's yeah. a great point because I think a lot of our listeners have it where their original company name sounds nothing like what they brand themselves as today. I mean, my corporation name sounds nothing like help my website sell or business creators, anything. There is a website up that right. uh, takes the official company name.com and it's a one pager that just says we're a real company. Basically it's for anybody who does their due diligence, but outside of that, mm -hmm. uh, mostly it just contains links back to the brands that I market under. So yeah, you want to pay right. attention to that as well. So how do you use your domain? How do you use your brand name to let that, to let that reader know, Hey, I, you are who I can help. That, yeah, that sort of thing. Now, we are just really cranking along here. I mean, we're already 40 minutes into this thing, and I know there's a few other things we want to cover. So uh, if it's all right, I'm going to jump around here just a little bit. Uh, now, a lot of our listeners are curious about search engine optimization and search engine marketing. In fact, we've already had a couple different guests on that topic who have shared some great things with us. Now, I want to hear this from a copywriter's perspective. Now, I know we're a little past the era of keyword stuffing, which is where you, ha you see this copy and it just repeats the same key phrase over and over in marketing copy to get a density to get Google ranks. So many different ways Google has turned around and said, oh, we can tell that's keyword stuffing. We're going to derank you. So people just can't do that anymore. Like if um, like if uh, you were going to do a, a web page about uh, copywriting for coaches, there's only so much you could do with that phrase. Now here in 2014, with things as they are, with Google and the penguins and the pandas and every other animal they plan to release, what can we do? What should we be doing with our marketing copy right now to make it effective for search engine optimization and search engine marketing in today's environment? Well, in today's environment, the newest animal that Google has introduced back in September is the hummingbird. Right. Um, and that is where, and this has become more and more important, is that the content and the keywords have to be relevant to one another uh, to the um, in order to be ranked. So um, you don't want to just stuff some sensational keyword in there and then have the copy not be about that because that doesn't work. Um, and one, so <laughs> it's Agreed. funny, search engine optimization and search engine marketing is a real mystery to people, but honestly, what they're looking for, what Google ranks you for, is the same thing that the human reader needs to know and see. So it it's relevancy. You know, we we if you have a um, keywords in there that don't relate at all to the copy, people are going to think they're on the wrong page. They're going to be like, "What? This is like, how did I get to this page? You know, or what? <laughs> you're not you're not satisfying me. So it's the same thing. You're not satisfying the search engines. You're not satisfying the people that are reading it either. 
So um, right. the other thing that search engines are rewarding is fresh content. And, right. um And so... Actually, one one way to get fresh content, the easy way, is to change your headlines and and um, test them. Um, so that that when you change your headlines, it the search engines you're going to move up in the search engines because you now have fresh copy, even if the only thing you change is the headline. I'm at, right. It's, um, I mean, there's reasons why you uh, might want to change the body copy, but if you're not, if there isn't anything that you feel like you need to change in the body copy, if you just change the headline, it's gonna it's gonna rank you higher because it sees it as fresh content. So, sure. um, and that's a much easier thing to do than to think that you have to go through and make, you know, all kinds of changes um, throughout the page. Um, and then when readers see a new headline, it's it's the same thing. They're thinking, oh, this is this is something different. I'm, you know, this like if they go to your homepage, um, and you know, I'm not saying that you should be changing it every week because that gets kind of confusing. But yes. I, you know, maybe uh, every quarter you should tweak it a little bit. And honestly, your business evolves, and you might not be exactly you know, focused on the same thing two years from now that, you know, that you are today. So um, right. you you want to have your, your homepage and your um, headline reflect what you're currently doing. So, you know, a little bit of updating is, is a good thing. Um, as far as keyword stuffing goes and and what the search engines are looking for, they're recommending that you only um, <clears throat> use two to three uh, as keywords as being your primary, or you know, a primary and then two secondary or um, keywords. So that's the opposite of keyword stuffing. You don't want to just like right. stuff every. It, it's it's good to have a lot of your top it's good to have your top keywords on your website but not all on the same page so you might want to create a different page based on a different keyword um, so yeah and then having the right keywords helps too um, and that's something that I'm really uh, teaching a lot right now I've I've come upon a system um, developed a system that is really working um, to have the right. right keywords where people see themselves and then they they're going to respond to them and and you rank higher for those too because you're not it's the same story you're not copying everybody else you have right. keywords that are really unique to your business and your target market right agreed agreed I think that is all very true so and I and I see this people are still trying to write this copy where they're trying to make sure that they say their, their their keyword over and over and over again. They think that's still going to get them ranked, and it's not going to get them ranked. So as far as, like, actual density, um, I think you mentioned that, uh, you know, for you know putting a key phrase or a keyword on the web page, you should be looking for something like 2 to 3% density of that keyword or key phrase within that page. Yes. 
I want to make sure yeah. I heard you right. And 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 that's yeah. actually been the case for some time. Uh, that's not exactly that's not exactly news. I was reading that statistic back in 2006. So the thing about right. search engine marketing, search engine optimization, is as much as they say that things are changing all the time, some things never really do change. Um, yeah, it's just really more minor tweaks. So what what never changes is because people are universal. What works is universal. So if you're not trying to keep up with the latest tricks and tweaks that the search engines come up with and you're just relating to people in a way that engages them, um, you don't have a problem. I, I am not one of those copywriters that's majorly into um, testing, tweaking, um, I don't know how to explain it. I haven't. I haven't needed to because. Okay. I haven't needed. I haven't needed to rely on those tricks. Okay. So I understand keywords and keyword optimization and how to use them right. in a way that is engaging and relevant. And when you can do that, you don't need to pay SEO people, and you don't need to do all those tricks. That those are like shortcuts for people that don't know how to engage. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've never had that problem. I, I've i never hired anybody to help me with my search engine optimization once the, you know, once the site was set up. I've never, I've never needed to do that because I attract plenty of um, traffic through the way that I write, through the use of my keywords. And also, one thing I will mention is my, in my squeeze page is copywritingforcoaches.com. And that's keyword rich. That's what people are typing in when they're looking for me. So they find me. I've always had five or six positions on the first page of Google for the last six years that I've been doing this, um, sure. because of those key, under those keywords, because and and it just it brings organic traffic to me. So um, I, I just you know I. <laughs> You have to think about the fact that people are reading this. It's right. not about tricking the search engines, in my opinion, because you can you can do that to some degree. But when they, you know, when the rubber hits the road, when the people are reading what you have to say, they have to it has to click with them. They have to identify. Yes. With it. Agreed. Agreed. Very much so. So we have a, a few minutes left here, and I think we have time for one more question. So I'm going to squeeze one in that uh, one of my listeners, when they heard I was going to be interviewing you, begged me to ask you. So if you'll indulge us for a moment. They, they're, they're begging to hear your thoughts on blogging. And their questions specifically are, how often should we post to our blog? And what can we do in terms of like the languaging or the structuring or the use of call to action within a blog post to get better conversions? Okay, so the most important thing uh, about blogging and about any marketing is consistency. Okay. You have to be out there in a, in a consistent time frame like that you, and, and with a consistent message. So when I say cons, consistent time frame, you have to the, – the right amount is what you, can, what you as an individual can sustain and – if if that's once a week, that's good. If it's twice monthly, okay. Um, you don't need to blog five times a week. 
First of all, you know, all of this marketing, you should be doing multiple things because you want multiple touch points because some people don't follow blogs. Some people don't read emails. Some people don't re- don't use Facebook. So you need to have multiple touch points and blogging is is just one of them. So um to get so the first thing I would say is consistency of how often you do it. Um, and consistency in that um, you need to stand for something. So your right. your blog needs to be aligned with your business and along a theme that people expect from you. Um, you're going to get better results if you use keywords in your blog. You're going to get better. Uh, you're going to actually convert to Okay, a blog is not a sales page, just like I said an email is not a sales page. <laughs> so it's right. a way to quickly engage with people. Uh, so, And if you do it frequently enough, you have what's called TOMA, or Top of Mind Awareness, T-O-M-A, Top of Toma. Mind Awareness. I like it. That's the purpose, that's the purpose of a blog. So um, you can also you know, have uh, get better conversions if you've got links to your website. Don't send them to somebody else's. Unless you want to, you okay. know, promote their business if it's an affiliate thing and you're trying to, you're getting paid to promote their business. But you know, why would you send them to somebody else's site? Um, right. Send them to your own page. You know, if it's if there's an article about something that you want to share with your people, don't send them to that person's article directly. Paraphrase it and and give your own take on it. And you know, I. It's, then, it's, then it's yours, and you're not sending into somebody else's page. So um, th- just realize that there are many different ways to communicate and engage, and different media works for different people. So it, it's just think about what you want to be known for and try to keep your message aligned with that. Right. Exactly. And I just want to just underscore a point that Beverly just shared with us right here is you must be marketing through multiple channels. I tell the story all the time where I, because I get reports on a weekly basis on who has opted into my list and who has opted out of my list. And sometimes I'll see the opt outs and I'll think, boy, I thought we were friends. That jerk. How could they just opt out of my list like that? And then I write them off as, well, I guess they're not going to be my client. Then Fast forward a couple weeks, couple months, I get an email from them all of a sudden. They say, Adam, dude, I love what you're doing on LinkedIn. I follow all your stuff. When can we talk? <laughs> so they just didn't want they, they just didn't want my emails, but uh, they right. chose to engage me through LinkedIn. Uh, some people on LinkedIn, you think you may be reaching on LinkedIn, they may choose to engage through Facebook. You may have the crowd that's on your mobile phone all the time. They can only take it 140 characters at a time. At a time, so you need to have that top of mind awareness on Twitter. You need to be tweeting out pretty regularly so you show up in their news feeds. So you have to think about you know where you know who is your ideal customer. You have to understand your avatar. Then you have to know uh, then you have to know where they hang out and what they're looking for. Go there and deliver it. It's really not that difficult. And when you have the right marketing copy that will convert properly, you're going to have a lot going on your side. So, Beverly, I want to thank you, first of all, so much 
for taking time out of your very busy schedule to be with us today. You've given our listeners a ton of great information. And for those listening on the podcast, I'm sure this is one of those ones where you're going to want to hit rewind and listen to it again or bookmark it and come back for later. And if you're listening to this live, just hang out till we get it up on iTunes and you'll be able to listen to it there. So I want to turn the floor over to you for just a couple minutes. We have four minutes before the show ends. And just tell us how you can serve business creators and how folks can get a hold of you and if you have anything you have for our audience uh, for listening today. So I'm just going to turn it over to you and however you see fit. Okay. Um, my website uh, or my, my opt-in page is at copywritingforcoaches.com. And right. And that's C-O-P-Y-W-R-I-T-I-N-G-F-O-R-C-O-A-C-H-E-S.com, copywritingforcoaches.com. So that will get get you onto my email list and um, familiar with what I'm doing. That's also my email. If you'd like to email me, it's Bev, B-E-V, at copywritingforcoaches.com. Um, and as I said, what I what I do is direct response copy. I'm a conversion, primarily a focus on being a conversion strategist, and I do that through the copy. So I look right. at your copy and tell you um, what needs to be fixed, or I fix it myself, depending on what level you want to engage me at. Um, I also speak right. about it, and I have a, a copywriting course, Writing That Sells, Turning Copy Into Gold. It's a seven-part course that is available on my website, um, or, right. of course, by emailing me. Um, so I write or help you write, whichever you want to, whichever level you prefer to engage. I help you to write clear and compelling marketing messages that attract more of your ideal clients so that you can make more money and have more fun. And that includes every kind of marketing, promotional copy that you can think of. Uh, there isn't anything that you can name that I haven't done um, you know, over, the, o- over the course of my career and in working with coaches in the last six years. So um, I focus on, on sales pages, on, on websites, on home pages, on email right. campaigns, um, of course, my book, Squeeze Page Juice, How to Create High-Converting Lead Generation Opt-in Pages, um, is just about finished. It's an e-book, and it's uh, on my website for pre-order right now at a, at a discounted rate because it's pre-order. So you can right. see that at my right. website. Um, so I, um, <clears throat> that's what I do. And as far as um, a gift for the people that are listening today, I would like to um, offer anybody a strategy session to talk about how um, crafting the right copy might help you to boost your your conversion and your um, sure. sales. And you can get that by by emailing me at bev at copywritingforcoaches.com. If you do that, I will also send you um, my list of 15 words that will make anyone open their wallet for you. I love it. I love it. Beverly, thank you so much. That is a very generous offer. And I just want to remind everybody who's listening that if you go to businesscreatorsradioshow.com and you locate this episode, you'll see, you'll see Beverly's guest expert profile, which also includes links to her websites and her various social media. So you can go there and you can find the link to Copywriting for Coaches if you 
if you need to. So just wanted to make sure that the folks are aware of that as well. Beverly Bergman, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Adam. It was really fun, and um, I hope that it was useful information for your audience. Would love to further engage with anybody that wants to email me. Absolutely. Well, and you. again, thank you very much. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of Business Creators Radio Show. Please check us out at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and also look us up on iTunes. Thank you very much. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.